I don't have many restaurant apps, but uh, for quite a while, because I worked right beside a Tim Hortons, I had a Tim Horton app, a Tim Hortons app. It turns out a lot of us do, uh, millions as a matter of fact, across the country, not surprisingly. Well, today, federal and provincial privacy watchdogs say that Tim Hortons mobile ordering app violated the law by collecting vast amounts of location information from customers without our knowledge. Um the privacy commissioners say people who downloaded the app had their movements tracked and recorded every few minutes of the day, even when their app was not open. The investigation came after a National Post reporter obtained data showing that Tim Horton's app on his phone had tracked his location more than 2,700 times in less than five months. Uh, again, uh, privacy commissioners were not pleased with this. Um, quote, the consequences associated with the app's collection of that data, the vast majority of which was collected when the app was not in use, represented a loss of users' privacy that was not proportional to the potential benefits Tim Hortons may have hoped to gain from improved targeted promotion of its coffee and associated products, the report read. Now, the company says, or at least it turns out the data was never used for that purpose, doesn't matter. Uh, the company says it stopped collecting that data in 2020, at least the report does. And the report says that while the Tim Hortons app was not compliant with privacy laws, the company has since taken measures to resolve this issue. Uh, from the company, quote, we've strengthened our internal team that's dedicated to enhancing best practices. Don't you love that word enhancing? I don't even know what it means, really. Uh, when it comes to privacy, we're continuing to focus on ensuring that guests can make informed decisions about their data when using our app, says Tim Hortons. Well, what broader implications does this have, and 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 how surprising is it? We thought we'd find out. Joining me now is Sharon Polsky. She's president of privacy and the Privacy and Access Council of Canada, and she joins me now from Calgary. Uh, Sharon, thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure, Ben. I, I knew I got through a lot there. Just wanted to sort of set the table, but you weren't surprised by this finding, were you? Oh, not at all. This is the game that is played and has been played for a very, very long time. What is that game? I mean, it sounds like the game is, uh, we'll collect all this data, and if we get caught, we'll say we're sorry. Well, you have to keep in mind that Canada's privacy legislation uh, was enacted anywhere from the earliest in the early 1980s to the federal uh, private sector privacy law, the Personal Information Protection Electronic Documents Act, PIPEDA, that came into full force just around the turn of the century, a generation ago, um, when fax machines were still in, well in use. It, none of the laws contemplated the technology that we have today or the hidden collection and sharing of data from us and about us. And that's important to keep in mind. Meantime, the Federal Privacy Commissioner's predecessor in the earliest years of our century uh, reviewed a case, a complaint that basically was someone who realized that their bank was sending their personal information to the United States for processing. The Federal Privacy Commissioner's Office investigated and said, yes, indeed it does. But somewhere in the fine print, there was a notice saying that they were going to do this and you've continued banking with them. So you are deemed to have accepted that. And that's, that pretty much set the standard. So now we have language in, you've seen them, privacy policies. I've written them. They are so-called privacy policies because they give you 
a really good, warm, fuzzy feeling that the company cares about you. They care about your privacy. They are going to safeguard every shred of information you've provided to them, except that's not their business. Their business is to increase their net profits and provide the greatest return possible to their shareholders, their investors, which is why the language in these policies say, we respect your privacy. Sounds good, is meaningless. We will do all these wonderful things. We will, oh, we will share information with our partners, but we won't tell you who those are. And when they change, we won't tell you who those new ones are either. We will collect information about you for business purposes. Everything, every legal endeavor the for-profit business participates in to improve their bottom line is a legitimate business purpose. So is trading and sharing information to increase their profits. So the policies might sound wonderful, but they effectively give the organizations carte blanche to do as they wish. And the problem is, once you consent to a company, an organization, collecting your information, according to these very broad, vague terms, they in turn give your information to their providers who in turn can give it to their providers and their service providers, to advertisers. I did a very, very quick check uh, this evening before we started chatting. Uh, Tim Hortons, right now, their privacy policy, the summary is 15 pages long, 4,540 words. Then you go to the full policy, you follow the link, and the full policy is only 12 pages, 3,911 words. So you're looking at 27 pages of legalese and gobbledygook that most people aren't going to look at, and if they do... Yeah, you're not going to read that if you're downloading an app to order yourself a coffee. I mean, uh, yeah. That's right, because you're going to get points. (laughs) Where did Tim Hortons go wrong here? Where do they they go wrong? Because they're being... They're being singled out for something I suspect lots of, lots of uh, companies do. But they got something happened here. Well, what's your take on on what went wrong for them? They got caught. That's, it's as simple as that. It's like the uh, Cadillac Fairview shopping centers across the country that were found to have been collecting facial images for facial detection, facial recognition. The commissioners also did a joint investigation on that one and found they too were uh, in violation of privacy legislation. They got caught. Most companies don't get caught. Why? Because most people, and I'm talking from children who are raised with apps on devices in their hands from the youngest of ages, to the people who write our laws, to judges, to teachers. Despite the fact that computers have been on our desktops for almost a half century, in daily use, certainly for a generation, there really is no education. Sure, we have courses teaching kids to code, and it's great, they can build the next you know, new mousetrap or video game, but they don't know 
that the law exists, that there are restrictions on what you can or should or shouldn't collect in the way of personal information and what you're allowed to do with it. So we're teaching them to code, and that's great, even though not everybody's going to have to code in the future. But it's no different than me flipping my car keys to the kid across the street and saying, here, have a good time, but stay safe out there, without explaining to them that when you see a stop sign, this is what it means, and this is how you have to respond. Sure, There's a lack is, of is education. Is, is, is your take on this that most people are ambivalent to that, uh, that we do know, for instance, that, that apps will track our information? We even have options now to turn off some of that stuff, uh, but that most people just don't, don't care. And, 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 and if so, why should we care? Why is it important that Tim Hortons not know our every movement while the app is off? Oh, there's a lot in that question. Um, yeah, oh, there's a lot in that question. I know. I mean, that's a, that's a, there, that's a, there that's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. And, and we only have another minute that's before fine. the break, but let we, me, let me we can get to it after two. It. Sure. No, no. Easy enough. We, we've been told for decades, literally, no one cares about privacy. Get over it. That was Tim McNeely at Sun Microsystems in 1999. Then we had the Twin Towers... Uh, in New York City and in an effort to increase security and protect national security, we were told that it's righteous and patriotic and proper to give up a bit of our privacy for security and give up a bit more and a bit more for that promise of security, which still hasn't come about because we still have horrible things happening in our world. Uh, we have been told daily, if you see something, say something. You don't see a nosy neighbor go up to the next door neighbor and say, hey, whose bike is that in front of your yard? Hey, there was a car parked. Is that your visitor? No, we call the police now. We installed video doorbells to track and monitor everything. We have been told by the companies that make the technologies and the governments that profit from it because technology Development means employment and sales. Both of those generate taxes. Governments want taxes. So we've been told that we're not supposed to care about privacy because nobody else does. And it's a big psychological ploy to get people to cave and agree to it. And besides, if that's all that's out there, what choice do we really have? That was pretty concise. We're going to take a, a very short break. When we come back, maybe some advice to people listening on how to protect their privacy, considering it's there to do if you choose to take the time, perhaps. We'll get to that right after this. I'm speaking with Sharon Polsky. She's the president of the Privacy and Access Council of Canada. We're talking about federal and provincial party watch privacy watchdogs today, saying Tim Horton's mobile ordering app violated the law by collecting vast amounts of location information from customers even when they weren't using the app. And we've been talking about apps in general. Um, Sharon, do you have any advice for people who are worried about their privacy, but also don't mind the convenience of using an app on their phone, for instance, when they're going to have a coffee? Well, that's the whole thing. It's sold as a convenience. And honestly, I get to figure out, especially during the pandemic, I'm going to use an app to order ahead so my coffee is poured As I drive up, except I'm going to have to sit in the lineup along with everybody else. How is that any more convenient? I don't know. But if I buy seven coffees, I'll get the next one free. Is it worth it to me to divulge and let the company make money off of my location, my preferences, 
tracking that my vehicle goes not only from a location where it is every night, so presumably it's where I live, to their restaurant, to a church, a synagogue, an abortion clinic, a mosque, a certain school, uh, a psychiatrist's office. That's the sort of information that they actually do compile about us. To me, no, it's not worth it to get a free cup of coffee. My privacy is worth more than that. Everybody has to make their own choice. But how do you make an informed choice when you don't know and you can't find out what information really is being collected from you and about you and from whom? Because all of these companies don't just collect information from you. It's information about you. So you visit a website that has the nice little button at the bottom uh, so that you can share with Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. As that web page is loading, all these companies already know that you're looking at that web page. You don't have a choice because the cookies, the hooks are in there. The reporting is already being done. And as you travel across the web, you are being your interests are being compiled in the background. And that is the information that is, it's not sold. And that's how they get around it. We don't sell your information. They don't, but they will sell, they will accept a fee from an advertiser to put that advertiser's message in front of you. They're keeping all the information and they're getting the money. So what do you do? Sure, you can go into your phone. If you're an iPhone user, you go into settings and privacy, scroll all the way down, look at the app privacy report, and you might be a little bit surprised to see how frequently which apps are actually using things like your location and sending that information to, we don't know who, because it's very difficult to find out. You can set your privacy settings on your web browsers, and I hope everybody does. And on your phones. But the more we try and protect ourselves, the technology companies are coming up with more and more creative ways to circumvent our wishes. Meantime, they say we respect your privacy. So the thing that has to happen is there have to be laws that really do protect our privacy and give us a genuine, effective right to privacy. That means the the onus has to not be on you and me to read through these 30-page privacy policies and try to understand them. The onus, and, and that's for every single app, every single website, every digital anything, the onus has to be on the platforms and the companies providing the information to us. That's a switch. There have to be laws that in Canada that enshrine privacy as a fundamental human right, as was declared by the, the United Nations years ago and most other countries, uh, democratic countries have recognized privacy is a fundamental human right. In Canada, it has not yet been recognized as such. We have the most effective thing any of us and every one of us ought to do is contact our elected representatives at every level, municipal, provincial, territorial, and federal, 
and tell them to stand up for their constituents, you and me and the rest of Canada's population, and change the laws substantively to protect you and me and our information. And this business that privacy is going to somehow impact and uh, and hamper innovation is an absolute red herring because innovation happens when there are challenges. Sharon, I'm down, to the la- I'm down to the last minute. I'm just giving you the minute warning here, if that's okay. All right. People have to speak up for themselves. Pounding your keyboard and complaining on Twitter and, and Facebook is great. It feels good, but it doesn't do anything. Talk to your elected representative, your MPP, your MLA, your MP. Sharon Polsky, thank you so much for your insight tonight. Fascinating. And good advice. My pleasure. Thank you.